Welcome to Mind Reading Experts in Conversation podcast series. This project explores the patient experience through the prism of literature and personal narrative to inform self-care, patient-centered care and practice as well as humanities research. Do doctors and patients speak the same language and how can we use narrative to bridge the evident gaps? These are the questions that animate the work. Mind reading began as a collaboration between UCD Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, the Diseases of Modern Life Project at Oxford University and the University of Birmingham, and expanded to include colleagues across the UK and Ireland and the School of English Drama and Film at UCD. Our intended activities comprise a series of explorations around the central theme of literature and mental health and function as independent events, but are brought together by their intent to explore the best ways of drawing on the insights of historical and literary research in contemporary medical practice in the field of mental health particularly. This podcast series, Experts in Conversation, brings together some of the key themes of the 2020 conference, which we postponed due to COVID-19, and is brought to you by the Humanities Institute at UCD and RCPI Archives. This section of today's episode, Words to Live by Hearing the Stories of Dementia in the Mind Reading Experts in Conversation series, brings us Des O'Neill, who's consultant geriatrician at Tally University Hospital and professor of geriatric medicine at Trinity College Dublin. Des is very active in medical and health humanities and has been for several decades. And he's here to talk to us today about the role of the arts and humanities in clinical treatment. Thank you. First of all, I'm delighted that we're having this session and uh, would like to emphasize that it always is. Um, humbling and important to hear uh, narratives, be they from patients, people living with dementia. In fact, we need to try and avoid the word patient, victim, sufferer, uh, people living with dementia. We need to contextualize that with narratives of caregivers, the narratives of healthcare care staff and professionals, and also the outside world. Uh, Rita Caron talks about the four, the, one of the founders of the area of narrative medicine talks about the four sets of dialogues that are going on with yourself, with your peers, um, with society, and with the person across the table, and that works uh, both ways. Uh, I would have to say at the outset, and I think um, understanding the big picture of what it means to be well, to be ill, to experience the health system, is really the main goal of what are known as the medical and health humanities. They're part of a big word, epistemology, you know, the science of knowledge. And in some ways, my preference for using narrative and what we hear from patients' written accounts, or indeed from artistic representations of the conditions, ones that are authentic, uh, is that they give us a broader, fuller picture. They fill out and support our presence when we're, when we're talking to and uh, trying to help people with conditions such as Alzheimer's disease and the other dementias. I've always been interested in and never have had a problem in seeing the fuller person. I was gifted this by my parents and grandparents, all four of whom had dementia. But as is the case for most people living with dementia, they became more themselves with their dementia. And in fact, um, maintained warmth and humor, although clearly there were challenges from my parents. But I also saw this care relationship, the importance of understanding that we're all mutually codependent, even if in you know professional middle life, people may be agnostic of the fact that uh, all autonomy is exercised in the embrace of others. So I suppose listening to, to, uh, to um, Wendy and Kevin, I suppose one thing that kind of still catches me in the throat is that any doctor anywhere might say to anybody, uh, there's no more I can do for you. Uh, I love Abraham Vergese's book, uh, Cutting for Stone, where the one thing the physician 
can give in any place is to whisper in the ear words of comfort. And certainly, um, can I say within medicine and the whole area of, and indeed, if we're talking about language, I like the ethicist Stephen Post's evolving phrase is life for the deeply forgetful, because, um, you know, there's all sorts of issues around around labels and names. And indeed, uh, interestingly, I, I, I never say to people, this is a devastating or catastrophic uh, diagnosis. I always say to them, you are no different 20 minutes after I tell you this than you were 20 minutes before. Many of the people who come to me are, know about it. Their relatives are more scared than they are about getting the, the diagnosis. And I haven't had a single catastrophic reaction of any kind in you know, 30 years of practice in this area here. But way back, one of the early pioneers, a guy called David Jolly, a psychiatrist in later life, uh, railed against what happens in memory, so-called memory clinics, where he said there's little point in giving people a diagnosis if it doesn't lead to support and ongoing further service and support. And indeed, in Tala Hospital, this is something we've really tried to emphasize. It's not a memory clinic, it's a memory service. We offer, I think we are the first in the country to offer post-diagnostic counseling. We offer uh, courses for both people living with it and for those who are with them. And indeed, we're the first hospital in Ireland to have set up uh, an information stand about memory disorders called the Memory Hub. Now, it's only one afternoon a week compared to, say, the cancer stand that's there all week. But in fact, it shows how in the shadow and the shade this area is. So really, really welcome these narratives. And to these, I would add um, other narratives which give us a fuller, wider picture of what my life is, what life might like be like. And I think also, as, as, as a both Wendy and Kevin have displayed, the opportunities with any illness of growth. Uh, the late uh, uh, psychologist Paul Kennedy had a wonderful study of people with spinal cord injury. And without being a Pollyanna or wishing a severe spinal cord injury uh, on anybody, um, huge increase in personal growth compared to people who hadn't. So people learn to evolve and to grow with any illness. And indeed, I think it's also quite important not to, to, to learn from other illnesses where there is stigma. The sociologist Zola, many, three, four decades ago, uh, undertook an experiment, a sociologist and disability activist, where he uh, put himself into a wheelchair in a disabled living centre, a progressive one in the Netherlands. And all of a sudden, people ignored him or steered clear of him or didn't serve him the same way at the counter. So I think we need to learn from, from these narratives and stigma, perhaps, in, in, in other areas. And I'm really keen that we, we turn to sociology, philosophy, uh, but also a deep, close reading of, of literature that shows us um, how perceptive artists um, stand back and view things. And it's really always been very, very interesting. Uh, for example, I've had an example many years ago, uh, the great artist Kokoschka foretold a stroke in a very famous Swiss uh, psychiatrist uh, called Forel. He painted him and Forel and his family said, I don't want this picture. It makes me look like I've had a stroke. And what did he have a year and a half later, but a stroke affecting that side. And we now know that often you've had a 
a subtle stroke before that, and it comes out when you're tired or sleepy, and Kokoschka often paints it in the evenings when you're sleepy. So what artists see can be really, really useful. And uh, I haven't read uh, Kevin's book, but I really did enjoy uh, Wendy's book. And to me, it parallels other other areas. Um, uh, one of the Mordecai Richler, a Canadian novelist, has written a wonderful novel called Barney's Version. Now, Mordecai Richler himself developed dementia, and I cannot help but feeling that he was feeling the first winds of change when he wrote this. But it's a funny, ribald uh, uh, book. I, I haven't seen the movie and I don't want to see it. But it, 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 the, it, one of the first chapters is where he, he forgets what the word is for a colander. And it's the beginning of the issue. And, but he's somebody who lives the wrong side of the tracks. And it's, it brings out warmth and humor. And this is what I've seen in my practice over, over, over decades. And it's really, really important that we do not make this diagnosis worse by uh, attaching apoc apocalyptic tones to it. And when people come back to me, I try to direct them towards books like uh, there's a wonderful theatre director, a MacArthur fellow, Anne Basting, who's not only written a wonderful book called um, Forget Memory, which is about not being sideswiped by the memory problems, but seeing all those fuller elements of why we love people, engage with them. Uh, but she's undertaken a marvellous theatre project called the Penelope Project, which is undertaking a version of Ulysses, the women weaving while waiting for Ulysses and the crew to come home. And it really is extraordinarily um, um, aff affirmative. And indeed, her programme, Time Slips, was based on the fact that often when people say go to a nursing home, they try to develop a narrative of how their former life was. And she noticed, being a perceptive artist, that they got quite embarrassed when they forgot the name of a sibling. So she said, hold on, hold on a minute. Why are we going back into something that's potentially a little fractured? Let's play it forward. Let's make stories now into the future. And it's a storytelling project. So look, these things are not necessarily uh, for everybody. But I would say is we are keen in medicine. And I think that this series is here uh, shows and that the College of Physicians are so keen on developing this area. I hope that people will be reassured and that we bring more of these elements into what we're doing. But lastly, if I might say, and I don't take too much time and more may come up in the discussion, it's also important that there is um, uh, it's interesting, in medicine, we tend to use the word research, and I think sometimes in the humanities, we use the word scholarship. And I think it's important we find a common ground here. But I think it's important we're also reasonably critical and we in interrogate uh, these concepts as they come to us. Um, Arthur Frank uh, uh, is one of the, uh, one of the uh, theoreticians around narratives. And he talks about the various types of narratives that you can get, you know, um, the quest narrative, the restitution narrative, the chaos narrative. And um, I think thinking through, and I think it's quite important that we, we bounce back narratives that are inauthentic. Um, uh, uh, there, um, recently was uh, Florian Seller uh, had a play called The Father, which uh, I and somebody from the Irish Dementia Working Group both saw and both thought this is lazy nonsense. And indeed, uh, but oh, the critics loved it and they felt it was uh, hugely, uh, hugely uh, telling. The other film, and this, there is a danger too around uh, how people may unconsciously feed into uh, these negativities. 
And a classic other example is um, Michael Haneke's movie. And I'm really interested in cinematic narratives. I'm interested in visual narratives such as um, Uther Molin's Self-Portraits Through the Course of Dementia, which Martin Ross's group uh, published in The Lancet, just reassuring we are interested. But uh, Haneke's Amour was an extraordinarily uh, undermining uh, portrait of poor care in dementia. So uh, as is often the case with the upper middle class, when his wife gets the strokes and a stroke-related or precipitated dementia, there's no sign of speech therapist, there's no sign of physiotherapist support. And when she finally gets to the point where he euthanizes and everybody thinks this is very noble, she's crying out mal, mal. Well, in French, if you have a pain in the lag, leg, you say j'ai mal aux jambes, and with her speech broken up, she might just have been having a leg cramp. And the irony is uh, that this got filmed got so many awards. I mean, it's a beautifully made movie and people were seduced by the aesthetics and didn't see the corrosive uh, narrative uh, underlying this. But to end on a, on a happier note and a film I hugely recommend to people is, uh, and, and you know, the great thing, life living with deep forgetfulness is complex. It's complex internally, externally, and what's around us. And I think we need to recapture it and recapture it as an illness, as in many other illnesses, to strip away the negativity, the stigma. So when I told my wife, who's not keen on movies with subtitles, that I wanted to watch a German comedy about Alzheimer's disease, she said, there's three things wrong with that sentence. But in fact, um, this wonderful, wonderful movie by Till Schweiger called Honig im Kopf, Honey in the Brain. And whatever you do, do not see the American version with Nick Nolte, which is truly terrible. But this wonderful one, and the interesting thing, he's a kind of a, a, a popular filmmaker, um, not, not art house at all, um, broad comedies usually, but the it shows warmth and humor and intergenerational uh, factors. Um, it reminded me of what is my compelling overview of living with dementia is for living, it's not some form of, a, of an accelerated death. And I'll finish off with the words of Ronan Smith, uh, who is really a key figure, I think, in the Irish Dementia Working Group. And because people often come into me and they're in the clinic and we said follow up, but there's usually two sorts of questions. One is practical things. You know, how do we manage things with, with the gas or bills or those sort of things. But then there's the existential concerns. What's going to happen in the future? And as I always say to them, look, life has so many paths that it may not be your memory issue that is the one that determines the next unfortunate events in life, uh, uh, you know, whether it's a fall and a broken hip or a cancer that develops or whatever. But also that now, you know, take what you like, take what you enjoy, uh, work out how much you can do. And as I watch families uh, in general, at least half of, of adult children in every case, or spouses uh, rising, rising, to the, rising to the occasion, it really is, it, it's very affirming. But Ronan had a wonderful phrase about the future, that not only is my future narrative untold, but mine is also unwritten. Thank you.